Hello. Hello. Hey, Joe. How you doing today? I'm doing well. And yourself? You know, I've had a great day. I've been rearranging bookshelves, which is so therapeutic. Oh, it sounds like Ripper and fun. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Welcome to One More Thing. This is a bonus podcast episode from My Seminary Life where we go a little bit deeper into the most recent conversation that we had. Uh, if you're new to the show, you can check out new episodes wherever you get your podcasts every Saturday morning. Well, today, to continue our, continue our conversation on eschatology, that is the study of the end times, I brought on my good friend, Joe. Uh, Joe is one of my many co-hosts over at Systematic Ecology. He's also the host of Buddy Walk with Jesus and the host of Kingdom on the Road, which is a Facebook live show. Joe, did I miss anything? Uh, no, I think you pretty much summed it up. Awesome. Well, Joe, I wanted you to jump in on this conversation today because I know you're a couple years older than me, but we both grew up during the 90s, early 2000s, where there was a lot of end times media in Christian pop culture. There was a lot, and I don't yeah. know why. So I wanted, you, I wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, end times media, what it was, what our uh, experience with them was, and how has that influenced the church today. So let's just start off with what's your experience with end times media? So right when all of that kind of end times, you know, TV show, basically in a post left behind world where now these books exist and they're, they're rife for recreation and reinterpretation and, for people to write books about and all of this kind of stuff, you know, youth group right around that time. And so I had, I, I've read, I've read the left behind books. I've mm. seen those ridiculous low budget movies, <laughs> the three of them that they made um, plus the remake. Um, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. And I've, I mean, I've also read, what what passed for, at the time for a quote unquote academic books on end times and who was the antichrist? I mean, we're talking about. I've read books that oh. stated that uh, Tony Blair was the antichrist. That was probably the most interesting. Interesting, um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I've I've experienced and honestly, like at the time, I really enjoyed consuming this stuff, and I thought about. You know, all of these years removed, why that was that I enjoyed them at the time as much as I did. But you got to think about it. If for those of us that are into things like um, like Mad Max, right, that's the first okay, one. That's sure. the first, first post-apocalyptic world uh, setting movie that I could think of off the top of my head. Sure. Where, you know, everything is desolate and this, you know, the end of the world and how will humanity survive and all of this kind of stuff they basically wrote a Christianized version of a post-apocalyptic world. They mm. turned the gimmick volume all the way up on what is already it's, it's prophecy that has all of this stuff going on. 
regardless, mm-hmm. you know, however you, you interpret it and all that kind of stuff, that's an entirely different conversation, but on paper, it has all of this stuff going on. And so finally you had people come, come through and say, okay, I can make a gimmick out of this. And it, it worked splendidly. The problem is, is mm-hmm. that people started taking it seriously. Yeah. So I, my experience is I, I never read the full left behind series. I read the teen version, which there are even more books of, um, and I've seen the I've seen the original three films starring Christianity's Leonardo DiCaprio, Kirk Cameron, and <laughs> I, as a lover of Nicolas Cage, though I've never seen that remake. I'm sure I'm not m- missing much other than Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. But yeah, I think you hit it on. I think you hit the nail on the head. There is that we we took biblical prophecy which, you know, what we have seen is that I was just on a show clergy talk talking about the book of revelation. And, you know, there is a whole big debate among, uh, you know, theologians as to what has already happened, what will happen when it comes to the book of revelation. And we had people like Tim LaHaye, Jerry B. Jenkins taking this material and writing books and that were made into movies. And at some point, we stopped remembering that it was entertainment. They were fiction. They were films for entertainment, not doctoral classes on eschatology. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's it's fascinating that, you know, you know, in a world where even the authors have come out and admitted to the fact that they don't believe what is being said here to be like absolutely, you know, inerrant and a legitimate um, hypothesis to to put forward Mm -hmm. that you still have this world where, oh yeah, no, okay, this makes complete and total sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree with that. We seem to have a general fascination, whether it's in Christianity or just pop culture in general with and what happens next. You know, you brought up uh, Mad Max, which is a great example of the post-apocalyptic world dystopian. You know, in in the 2010s, there was all these dystopian. We were all over the Hunger Games. uh, Oh, what's the one? Divergent, Maze Runner, like all these teen books that were coming out being made into films of dystopian realities and somewhere along the lines we stopped remembering that this is a christian dystopian film a a christian dystopian book series not necessarily a textbook on eschatology yeah yeah and and i think that that's part of why, you know, I, I know I'm far from the only one who has now swung over to the other side of the pendulum as a result. You know, I, I've spent the time and the effort in actually attempting to establish a um, a point of view, I guess is a good way of putting it, an opinion on what I think 
the right interpretation of end times prophecy is with the idea mm-hmm. of it being within the realms of what is it the big three or big four that i uh, that that everybody talks about and okay. going through and combing through and all of that kind of stuff because i realized like okay i started taking this seriously but then realized that there was a plenty a lot of scripture that would conflict with the whole um what is it pre-trib I uh, mm-hmm. uh, hypothesis that that gets put forward in the left behind series. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. So let me go ahead and pivot and reevaluate. But the, the issue then becomes you're only looking at it from an interpreted standpoint of the modern interpretation. And you realize the more that you dig in and you sit there and you go through and you comb through and all of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. there's this air of ambiguity to it all. Not only Mm -hmm. that, but there was literally the generation that walked with Jesus thought that they were the last ones, you know, so on and so forth. And you have these reasons where now you have a whole bunch of people that are like, uh, when it happens, it happens, but I'm not going to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. necessarily something I don't think, you know, I, I've gone on record to say, and I don't know as though I necessarily would say that this is my definitive stance, but you uh, you could definitely catch me saying things like, you know, this, we're no closer now than the generation that walked with Jesus. Now, that's actually factually hmm. inaccurate because of some different <laughs> things and things like sure. that. Sure. But it's this idea that, we have been in the final days, air quotes, for a hot minute. And there's mm-hmm. still things that have to happen in order for us to transition from the last days to, you know, this is a wrap. Now things are actually set in motion, whatever that's going to look mm-hmm. like. Yes. You know, I, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in this world of academic seminary world and going into pastoral ministry, Unfortunately, and I say that honestly, unfortunately, you do have to have instances. You know, I have to say I'm a part of this ism and that ist and all this type of stuff. But seriously, when it comes to the end times, when it comes to eschatology, I personally think this is the area in someone's you know holistic theology that they can hold with a more open hand. You know, certain things you, you know, a believer in Jesus Christ should be more closed fisted on, you know, when it comes to issues of uh, salvation, the atonement, things like that, a Christian needs to hold a strong stance on those type of issues. How do we get reconciled back to God? But when it comes to the issue of, and what comes next, obviously we have these, we have revelation and half of the book of Daniel. And what is it? Matthew 24, I believe that all speaks to end times material, but we don't, we don't know. We don't know how this isn't like Isaiah where these things were prophesied about to the nation of Israel. And now we can look back and say, and this was fulfilled when they returned to Jerusalem. And this was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. Some of these things, depending on your viewpoint, whichever one of those groups you want to identify as either it has all already happened and we're just waiting for the return of Christ or, you know, rapture and then seven year tribulation and then Christ's return, you know, whichever one it is, it, I think this is an area we can be more open-handed with our beliefs. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that's happened, one of the biggest travesties that's happened in the world today is that people forgot that we can disagree on certain things. Okay. It does not have to be an all or nothing sort of proposition. And especially on the minors, right? Let's major in the sure. majors, but let's minor in the minors that, you know, with, with the major themes, you hit the nail on the head, right? If you walk around saying something that's, that's anti-scriptural or like mm -hmm. leading people astray or something along those lines, or, or if we have different ideas of actual salvation and all of those kinds of things, sure. That there, that's going to be some, some butting of the heads. That's okay to butt heads over, you okay. know, within all of the confines and context of scripture, but with something that is so largely unknown, mm -hmm. why, how, how is anybody looking at this and saying, oh no, I've got the beat on this. Let me, so, mm -hmm. so just a, a, a walk down memory lane about three-ish hundred years ago. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. um, there was a predominant eschatological idea that the entire system worked like a um like a cyclical system so you start off on um you start off on earth if you lived a good life you go up to heaven you could still mess up in heaven and land back on earth but then if you yep. ended up if you were like bad you went to hell you had an opportunity to repent and so on and so forth based around the bible verse that every knee will bow the thing that breaks uh, okay. that whole paradigm, once it's all laid out and all of that kind of stuff, the thing that breaks it is um, the enemy. Okay. That breaks the, the, the enemy. If you accept the idea of the enemy as I'll say is the popular notion, and I don't mean popular in a derogatory sense, because I would say that this is probably where I land as far as what I think the enemy is or who I think Lucifer is. Okay. Um. But but he breaks this. And so it's this whole idea that at the end, we all end up at in in the presence of God. You know what I mean? Mm. And and none of sure. this this end times or none of this rapture um tribulation stuff really factors into that. So I say that to say that even even though th even 300 years ago, we had an entirely different understanding of the tribulation and the rapture. And so the thing that I would present forward to anybody who finds themselves beating against other people or butting heads against other people about something like the end times and where you land, quote unquote, having any kind of influence on your identity or an ism or an ist or whatever, mm -hmm. you're playing with a part of a hand at best and what, so, so why get worked up over something along those lines? Like mm -hmm. there's plenty to get worked up about, Sure, you know what I mean? And, and I think, and that's where I go back to this whole idea of the, um, the material, right? It's all in good okay. fun. I was a, I was a teenager when I, when I first read, like I said, when I first read the, um, the left behind books, they were fun. You know, I was part of the the the, the youth group um, conference scene. You know that addiction cycle okay. and all of that uh -huh. kind of stuff. So, so in a lot of ways, it was this dual life where you know I was doing all stereotypical ninety kids stuff and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. 
Okay. And and doing this, having this piece over here of youth group and and singing the songs and, and engaging and all of that kind of stuff. And so I read, even though I was of this other world, I've read these other books and I, and, I, and so I, I can appreciate, I can appreciate these books and this might be a hot take, but I can appreciate mm-hmm. them in the same way that I can appreciate something like the Da Vinci Code. Okay. It's, it's a, it's an interesting story. If sure. you stop trying to reconcile it with history, because the, the, the book becomes false at the very first page where it says how many glass panels are in the, what is it, the loo that it's talking about? I and think so. so right from the start, you've already, it's, it's already cemented itself as a work of fiction. So treat it as a work of fiction. Same thing mm-hmm. with the Left Behind series. If you can treat them like a work of fiction, then let your kids read them, let your teens read them, whatever. You yeah. might need to explain some themes to them when you get to the latter books, but mm-hmm. they're not inherently bad, just as long as we are looking at truth objectively for everything that it is and everything that it isn't, everything that we have and everything that we honestly just don't have. Yeah, I don't see why, you know, so my wife Claire and I are expecting the birth of our first child here in a couple months. Um, and we've been talking back and forth about how we want to raise our, how we want to raise Cooper, you know, what type of biblical material we want to have in his life, especially as he grows up. And we got on the subject of veggie tales because we both loved, you know, again, being kids of the nineties, we both loved veggie tales. Like we were the demographic when those videos first started coming out, but something that we discussed was the importance of, you know, having him, you know, letting him watch these, get the basics in. And then when he becomes of age, having the conversation of, okay, so King George and the ducky, this is what's really going on when it comes to David and Bathsheba. And when he comes of age, and I don't know why that doesn't happen as much with, the end times media. Cause that's basically what you just said of you can read these for entertainment. I, you know, were they great pieces of literature? I don't think so. But when I was a teenager reading the teen edition, they held my attention. I got through a lot of library reading programs, just din- binging through all of those books, but we need to have the conversation at some point of, okay, so this is what they're talking about but let's study God's word together to have a better actual theology of what is going on here. So many people, and I think this showed up a lot in 2020, so many people, their theology of the end times is more so based off of this media than it is off of scripture. It's the media first, then the scriptures, not the scriptures first, and then, oh, hey, look at this thing and how they interpret it. Yeah, it's something that is that that is unfortunately common in I will say I'll speak for this country and say that this is something that is very prevalent in in our country but I think that this is part of why we see consistently other countries with a better hermeneutical practice or a better mm. daily practice of ingesting scripture and spending time with God, because in this country it's become more about the pastor and less about 
the the content, like the actual source material. Okay. And I understand that that's a bit of a generalization and those are dangerous. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that I think, you know, we go back to this whole idea of at some point, we started taking fiction as fact. We started taking these bedtime stories seriously. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to be dis- disrespectful to the scriptures, because I do believe that there is something that we can put our hope in, uh, be it that, you know, that miraculous moment, like a twinkling in the eye and whatever. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just us being called to glory, we get to put our hope in something outside of ourselves. So there is that layer of it. That's very, very important to take into consideration. But at the same token, so much layer and so much garbage has been thrown on top of it between bad content and people taking bad content seriously. Mm-hmm. And these echo chambers all, all coalescing into this problem of this being based off of incomplete data and people warring over it. And, and regardless of whatever stance or take or whatever like that, this is, you know, what, like, we keep circling the drain in all of these different ministries and all of these different outlets and so many people talking about the unity and, and, and these things that are, these things that are, are uh, damaged as far as this particular country's church. And I mean that in a, in an overall sense. Okay. That you, you point to things like this and you're like, this, these are the building blocks. Stuff like stuff like war, warring over incomplete hands being mm-hmm. part of the problem, all stemming from content that should have just been left as a work of fiction in the first place. Sure. And I want to clarify a couple things at this point for our mm-hmm. listeners. First off, Joe and I are not bashing media. Let's not forget we're both a part of systematic ecology. So part of the gimmick over there is let's talk about the media and analyze it honestly. And that's what we're doing here. Really, this episode is a hybrid of all of the various shows that Joe and I are on. If you ever want to know what it's like to listen to Joe and I talk on an episode, this is kind of a good idea. Um, The second thing I want to clarify is that we are not bashing the position of Left Behind either. Again, I want to go back to what I said earlier. I think this is something that Christians should hold with an open hand of what their stance is. So don't think if you're a pre-tribulationist, a pre-millennialist or whatever, like don't think that we're bashing your position. We're bashing the rapture. We're not. What we're getting to the heart of the conversation that we're getting at here is that we need to actually study the scriptures. If there's anything that you should take away from this episode is that we need to actually be in the scriptures and put these books where they belong. You brought up the idea of the pastor we kind of have in this country and an idolization at times of certain pastors. I know of one particular pastor whose name starts with John, which really doesn't narrow it down that much, who (laughs) said, um, who said that the book of revelation is easy. It's so easy. What's going on here. You can easily understand it. And we were listening to the radio at the time and Claire about punched my radio when he said that. Um, I think also that, again, in general, we have allowed media to influence us more than anything else. You brought up how in other countries 
you know, they have a better hermeneutic. Back in October, right around Halloween, it just so happens that I had to do an episode on demonology, who is Satan, things like that. And my biggest takeaway was all our whole, our whole theology, our whole understanding of the demonic is really based off of movies. We really don't understand what's going on in scripture. And I think this is a pretty fair comparison to that of we know better what Kirk Cameron is doing than what John is writing in Revelation or Daniel or what Jesus says in Matthew. Right. And, you know, it's something that we talk about so often that, you know, we are all given these passions. We are all given things that we enjoy, things like that. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying them with in you know if if those movies are your thing and you you enjoy them for the ridiculousness that they are and for the the sidekick from walker texas ranger playing a preacher and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff like great wonderful fantastic if you're a person who th- who who has read the material spent the time worked the muscles read the text and figured out hey a lot of what I believe about end times and about eschatology jives with this with this hypothesis that's put forward by the Left Behind series in you know in general, even if not all of it is exactly word for word. But if these are the things that, that that's the camp that you find yourself in, okay, you know if you've if if that's if that's where you got to by way of actually reading through the material and actually understanding what the Bible presents. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's not about the stance though. It's easy to pick on that particular stance. Sure. But when you were, when you widen out the lens, you know, I want to state this without peppering it with my point of view on all of it. Mm-hmm. That at the end of the day, the responsibility is on us to study the source material and come to a conclusion. It's that idea of understanding not only what you believe, but why you believe it. A lot of times that gets talked about in context of salvationary stuff about understanding the character of God, the fundamentals, right? But that still rings true as you widen out the lens and you know, come to these things that aren't completely clear, that don't have the weight of necessary correctness. Mm -hmm. Then you can hypothesize, you can poke and you can prod and things like that. I'll give you a different example. I don't know where I land on the flood narrative. I think that a lot of poetic language was used in Genesis. I think it's very possible that poetic poetic um, statements were made regarding the the expanse of the flooding, whether or not it was regional or worldly. I, oh, do, I, okay. can, I can honestly say I do not know. That's why I don't say I don't necessarily believe in the um, the, the the flood narrative as it is most commonly presented. So I'm not going to present. 
either, or I'm not going to get a um, assume either position. It's that same idea here. We don't know, or this is what I, you know, this is what I hold loosely believing. Then fantastic. And if you're right, Mazel tov. You know what? I hope that <laughs> that that the 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 pre-trib people and all of that kind of stuff, and the people that say that it's all happening tomorrow. I hope you're all right. You know what I mean? Do, sure. do I necessarily agree with that? No. But hey, what's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? If they're right, uh-huh. we're not going to see any of it. And Jesus comes back. So Mazel tov. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. Mazel tov. Let's hope for tomorrow. Um, I was, I'm was. i curious. Do you remember the name of any of those other books or movies or whatever that you consumed there when you were a teenager on End Times Media? Um, the one that, the one that, um, sticks out in my head is the, is the Tony Blair one. What in the world is going on? Um, that, that one, was seriously that one's... the name of the book. Yeah. Yeah. For, um, they, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I know that many of the left behind, um, books all had those, those sub, um, those subheadings. I think the movies did too, but I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know these. So it's left behind, left behind two tribulation wars and then left behind three world at war. Maybe I think that's that (laughs) the world actual world war three happens in um, the third one. Right. Which I think you're asking for it at that point. Anyway, you're a, we're both pro wrestling fans. Have you ever seen Revolutionary Road? No. You know that one? No. So, right it was it was early 2000s. This is Revolutionary Road. It is a it's a little bit less trying to figure things out like the Left Behind series does and a little bit more post-apocalyptic. It's more Mad Max and Walking Dead vibe than it is uh let's see how all of this plays out exactly i think it starts at the rapture but there's really no mention of antichrist or anything like that the wrestling references the icon sting is one of the main characters yeah i mean i guess that tracks you grab one of the one of the few openly christian wrestlers and that's what you get yeah, it was, I want to say, in between fall of WCW and probably right around when he was in TNA, like the early days of TNA when he was there, is when that would have come out. Um, another I had a little bit of a connection with was Omega Code. Do you remember Omega Code? Uh, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. So this one, this one is heresy. Um, because this one is the... No, really, because this one takes the idea that there's a hidden code in the Bible that if you, you know, every third letter, if you take every third letter, secret messages, well, that's the premise of this one. And it helps you figure out how to get through the end times is what's going on here. Now, there is a a theological belief system that John was writing in code with the symbolism he was using, but this is more like Bible code stuff. I remember back in the early 2000s, the History Channel 
had a series, a mini series called the Bible code that kind of presented okay. that idea that if you look at the different parts of the Bible and if you squint and cock your head a little bit, you'll, you can find this like secret code throughout the entirety of the Bible and all of that kind of stuff. Mind you, this is the same time frame and the same station that's putting out ancient aliens. So you have to take it for yeah. what it is again. Sure. Yes. Yeah. History Channel was all about that stuff for a while. I remember they did the whole Gospel of Judas thing and they were investigating the uh, I think they found part of the uh, like the wrappings that Jesus would have been wrapped up in. It was all this stuff. And it was always out at Easter. It was like the counter programming to the other channels who were showing like the Ten Commandments. Yeah, I I remember having heard and it was after this is in a in a in a post dan brown world where um i think it was james cameron was the next one that majorly stood up that kept for or came forward and um stated that he was gonna find or look for the um the burial place of jesus that he was gonna be the one that debunks Christianity and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember even before becoming a Christian thinking to myself that I found it interesting that nobody was ever to actually successfully do it. That every person who's came forward and said, that's mm -hmm. the last you hear of them because they just don't want to talk about their very public, you know, wiping the egg off of their face. Sure. I, uh, I'm glad James Cameron didn't find the burial place of Jesus because that would have been like a 42 hour movie uh, he would have made later. Um, I, so one last question, as we start to draw this episode to the, to a close, you know, we've spent the bulk of this time talking about end times media and what place it should have in a believer's life. My question is, what do you think, because we keep coming back to this idea that you need to be in the scriptures. You need to be in the scriptures. You need to be in the scriptures. What place do you think apocalyptic literature should play in a believer's life? Whether it's the book of Revelation as a whole, Jesus' teaching in Matthew, second half of the book of Daniel. What role should this material play in a believer's life? So I, I have to point to – I have to take the minute to turn – upward, you know, in quote, air, air quotes, and, and thank God for the, the shift that's happened in my mentality towards this. If you had asked me that two and a half years ago, I would have said, nah, none, like we're not, it's mm. not, that's not for us. Let's just not think about it. Now, the problem is, is if you actually do what I just said and you throw it all out, mm -hmm. then you lose the thing that you get to have hope in. Yes. And that has been a gradually a gradual growing process, partially because I did I did a two and a half year run of one of my shows with a man that is definitely tends closer to the other side of the spectrum. I wouldn't say oh, okay. wildly so, but he absolutely thinks we're further along the timeline than than I do and was not afraid mm -hmm. to talk about it. But he, okay. but that was also the unwritten joke of Buddy Walk for two and a half years. That that's hmm. why you weren't going to catch us doing an episode on Revelation because I didn't necessarily 
like believe in that same kind of idea and things like that. And so where I'm at today is that I think that God was so good that he understood that for generations upon generations upon generations, there would be a broken people that needs a reminder of, of hope to come. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously there were aspects of this, this whole idea of finality, this whole idea of, you know, I, I think we take this a little bit too far in saying that, you know, you got to hurry up before the end of the world and all of that kind of stuff and, and get saved and all of that. But sure. the idea is that history does eventually end. Okay. History does have a, have a stopping point as far as what we know it. And so understanding a glimpse of what that looks like, is a perfectly wonderful thing for good God to give us. It allows mm-hmm. us hope for things not seen, and it allows something to look towards. As long as we fully and completely take it within the context that it's given and the way that it's presented, no man shall know mm-hmm. the, the day and time. No, all If you take all of it and you have a healthy relationship with it, then it's a great gift from a good God. Just within, yeah. you know, but but what I just said could be put to any part of the scripture. So I would sure. say that it has its place within the larger narrative of a complete story pointing to Jesus, not to rip off the Bible project. <laughs> hey, if you're going to rip somebody off, rip off the Bible project. That's a great idea. There you, go. Um, you know, as you were saying all that, one thing that came to mind for me was you you mentioned briefly how maybe it's not so much you know hey let's you know you're all going to hell and things are coming to an end get saved i think one thing that we do forget um is that this was written to the church these are written to churches in asia minor these are written for the book of revelation specifically is written to believers in jesus christ and so yes we can use some of that material in the, in the book of Revelation as a way to encourage people, hey, the end is coming. You need to get right with God. But it is primarily driven towards us, the church. Hey, church, wake up. Things are coming to an end. And part of it is, hey, wake up. Things are coming to an end. So get out there and do your, do your ministry, proclaim the gospel. But it also is a source of hope for us. Because we, I think we forget, we get so sucked up in the, what is going to happen? How is all this going to play out? And we forget the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, where it is all about us finally being united with our group, you know, as the bride of Christ, finally being reunited, being united with Jesus. And that is the big hope that we have and is, should serve as much of a motivation to be in revelation, to have that hope stirred in us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful thing when, when we can take the entire piece that God has given to us and indulge in all of it. Right. It's part mm-hmm. of that active relationship that we have. Does that mean that you walk with a physical embodiment of God all the time when you to have a, a relationship with him? No, I wish eventually, but not yet. 
more of what that looks like is having an active relationship with Holy Spirit and 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 indulging in the text and un- coming to understand the voice of God and to understand the things that are meant to be understood with the idea that not all of it is meant to be understood. And mm-hmm. if we go forward in that posture, then we are displaying the gospel. If we go forward in the posture of going out and doing the things that we are told to do and putting our hope in where it belongs in and engaging with these things, we are pushing forward the kingdom. Amen. Well, I think that is a great spot to start wrapping this show up. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed finally having you on my show. Joe's all the time trying to get me over on his stuff. Uh, So thanks for finally coming over to my seminary life. Systematic Geekology lives rent-free here. So where else can people find you if they wanted to tune into your material? Well, um, like you said, you uh, the the flagship is Buddy Walk with Jesus. You can find that at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Um, and then on on all of the socials and and everywhere that podcasts live. Um, and then Kingdom on the Road every Saturday, seven thirty Eastern. Um, you can find me there. And when Brandon decides to come on, he can he, he's on there. Um, and and you can find that at Facebook.com slash Kingdom on the Road. I do show up on occasion. Um, so yeah, one last question for you before we bail out of here, Joe, we've done a couple live streams together and uh, I usually have a cup of coffee with me because by the afternoon I need it. And last time you pointed it out and we talked a little bit about coffee. So I'm curious, you live over in the, uh, like the East coast area, right? Yes. So so where's where's the good coffee at out by you? Where what's your uh, where's your go-to? And if you I swear if you say Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't mind um Duncan's cold brew, but I have mm. fallen back in love with um Starbucks as far as like oh, okay. recognizable names that aren't just indie coffee houses or me making it here and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, there's something about, there's something about Starbucks coffee that I'm, I'm one of those people that I actually really like that funky coffee bean, strong coffee taste. So I know for a lot of people, Starbucks is a little bit too, most people call burnt that don't like it. Um, I can get that, but it's just, I don't know, to me, it's just that funk flavor with the, like that volume turned all the way up to 11. So. I will no. say the out here, out here is sorely lacking on quality coffee. The Midwest is where it's at. You know, yes, I understand the West Coast, but man, the Midwest has some killer coffee. Oh, I've got one, two, three, four. I've got four, five, five indie coffee houses right around me. One's a roaster that roasts their own beans in house. Like, yeah, Midwest. We've this is Chicago land is where I'm at right now. We we've got the coffee covered out here. Yeah, Twin Cities, same deal. Like when oh, I really? lived out there, it was there were coffee houses all over the place. There were you know roasteries all over the place. Yeah, and not to mention the brand out there, Caribou, is just if ah. you're going to go with a chain coffee place, Caribou is where it's at. Nice. 
like it. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to us break down some end times media and talk about the role it plays in our life. If you want to check out my seminary life again, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at my seminary life pod. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep on studying.